This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I am your host, Zachary Small, and today I am joined by a special guest, and that would be Reeves from at Reeves Writer on Twitter. Reeves, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Dude, after the momentum going with building the beautiful families, dad Twitter, all the things you've been rocking and that we've been jiving with on that platform, it only made sense to come on here and share your voice with all those who have been following the Family Alpha because the messages align so well. So I love what you're doing, but for those who haven't heard of Reeves, Reeves Writer, that's a hard one, man. You made a hard handle, you know. <laughs> Reeves Writer. Now that we've got that rolling, for those who don't know you, what did I miss? Who is Reeves? Oh yeah, man. So um, Reeves Writer, who's Reeves? That's the the Twitter account originally did not start to um, push push a message or. Um, anything it kind of just developed over time where I figured out like of my voice that would be able to impact people and impact families and you know you kind of like when you learn about okay how do you grow your Twitter account they some of the advice is like create categories of things you want to talk about uh, things that matter to you or whatever like if you're selling a product things that are on the product that you want to sell so for me, it was natural to talk about family because, you know, I have three kids and a wife, and so I have unlimited content. So every day, every me, single day, like, man, <laughs> dude, I was like, okay, if I have to come up with content to post on my Twitter account every day for it to grow, I was like, the family is an easy way, an, an easy way to go, you know? And then on top of that, I had this underlying sense that there's a problem with the family, you know, within society. Um, I look at my family and I look at similar families to mine. I go, man, we, we are completely different than what society is like. So maybe I can help move people a little closer to having a better family, having a better relationship with their wife, having a better relationship with their kids. And then it kind of just went from there. Yep. You know, it's those little things that matter more than anything where most people are giving credit to. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on these very big ticket items. You got to go and do this big thing, this one big thing. And I've always focused on the small things. And I don't know if that's uh, like the Hobbit, you know, Gandalf, he talks about, well, why did you bring on, you know, the Hobbit? He's like, well, sometimes you need like the dark horse. And, you know, a lot of men who are talking about family, it's almost like we're talking about the dark horse. You know, mm-hmm. people are looking at these big distractions and we're looking at the thing that most likely is going to make the biggest difference. Stronger yeah. kids, stronger families, that strong unit. And I call it the cornerstone. And so when I see you talking about and writing about and dropping these books on the beautiful family and these threads and just bringing all these men together, I couldn't help but notice your emphasis on that same thing, the things that really matter, you know, and I'm calling it the dark horse, but to me, it's, it's the, the main thing we should be focusing on because everything's built from that level. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know it's, you know, the, the way that our society has moved, you know, the, the family has been just kind of like dropped in the background and, 
um, especially when you get kids growing up and, you know, what are they asked all the time? Well, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And it's not necessarily wrong, but it gives an overemphasis on like their career. Like, oh, your career is so important. You have to pick the right college. You have to pick the right school. You have to pick the right job with the right company, with the right benefits, with the right pay, you know? And there's a lot less, like you'll get a dad who will help his kid get into an amazing college, but won't do anything to set him up to find the right wife, you know? And it's like, dude, you can get the greatest job and the greatest college, and then you can marry the wrong woman, and then your life is miserable. So, you know, the the family's kind of like lost in that aspect. Maybe, maybe an overemphasis on um, sports probably plays an aspect of that too, you know? Like kids will help their co- coach their kids to be the best soccer player or baseball player, you know, but they give terrible advice when it comes to, oh, how do I talk to a woman? Or how do I talk to my girlfriend? Or how, how do I find a woman of value, you know? So it's like there's things that detract away from the, the family that we as a society have put overemphasis on. It's interesting when you put it in that light, because there are the parents who are like, well, I got my child into this great college. Yeah, but you never spoke to your child about who they are, what they wanted, you know, the, the simple things, taxes, business, making themselves a priority, making sure that they're not taken advantage of. These are much mm-hmm. different discussions. And while your child might have made it to Oxford or your child might have gone to Harvard, Yale or whatever prestigious, you know, academics they made it to, they're horrible human beings. They're ugly. And, you know, with beautiful families being the emphasis that I started looking at things through your eyes, you know, especially before we recorded this, I was going through your content. And that is one thing that stood out to me is we're doing a lot of ugly things with our kids, like sacrificing Mm -hmm. them. What does the government want from our kids? And we just give it to them. And that's a very ugly act. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really bad. You know, um, I think you, you, you couple people, I mean, our society has traded, um, beauty for aesthetics. That's what I like to say. So if you, if you go through my, if you go through my books, the first chapter of the first book is, um, breaks down defining like what, what beauty is. And I'll be fair. Like, I'm not like, I'm not some expert. There's plenty of people within the philosophical um, realm that debate exactly what beauty is. I mean, there's a whole wing of philosophy that's dedicated to to beauty itself. Um, But generally speaking, um, the definition of beauty is what's good, what's true, and what's real, right? So those are the aspects of what make up beauty within, within itself. So it's not even necessarily an aesthetic thing. You know, you can have something that's good that doesn't look good, right? It, it might actually look like un, unsavory. Like you can watch a, the birth of a baby and you might go, whoa, that's not very aesthetically pleasing. The baby came out and he is covered in, you know, mucus. You had, he had <laughs> yellow and whatever, you know? And you're like, oh man, that's, well, it's actually a really beautiful thing because it's real and it's good and it's true. And even though the baby might look, ugly or not aesthetically pleasing um it's still a good act you know because because that's what beauty is and it's so it's it's a good act and it's a beautiful act even though it might not be aesthetically pleasing so what i noticed within our own society is we trade what's aesthetically pleasing for actually what's good and what's true and what's beautiful yeah you know I'm, i'm thinking of that in several different industries you know i'm looking at entertainment i'm looking at education 
And, you know, it's we will look at it and we will know, hey, something's broken here. There's something wrong with our educational system. But parents are like, well, that's just the way it is. And they start they just send the kids. You know, that's just what we do. Well, I don't like that my kid doesn't or has to get dropped off at daycare. I don't want to have to do this. But the mom won't ever consider not going to her job. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, we're, we're right. seeing these issues, but we're just overlooking them and bypassing them. But that's not what you're doing. And that's not what you're creating. So I think now would be a great time to segue into that. Like, how did you come up with the decision to go with the beautiful family, to go with living the way you're living? And I guess, importantly, once we establish that, let's talk about how the men listening to this or watching this can replicate that on their own. How do they start their beautiful path? Sure. 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 Yeah. That's a good question. So for me, um, I've always been more of an intentional living type of person, you know, like I haven't always been sucked into that world, but I, you know, I've never really been caught up with, um, things that I, that I viewed as trivial. And this might be because I grew up like in a Christian family. And so my parents were always, they always, even though they, you know, they weren't the best parents ever. They always emphasized the spiritual world or the things that they thought mattered. Like they would tell me, hey, this life isn't the only life that you live. The life after this life is what matters the most, you know. So you should care about what affects the afterlife, not only what affects this life, you know. And so I think that that kind of like instilled in me like this idea of, you know, things that are what I consider to be valuable, that's what I want to value. It doesn't matter what other people are saying or doing, you know? So I, I didn't learn about beauty though until, um, gosh, maybe three years ago or so I read an article. It was called the Christian vision of beauty. And he broke down like what beauty is. And it was, it's, it's actually written by the, um, the Southern Baptist theological seminary founder. His name is uh, Albert Muller. He wrote the article and I was like, holy cow, you know, like I've been a Christian my whole life and I've never heard anybody talk about beauty. And he basically says in there like, hey, um, goodness, truth and reality, they all find their climax in God himself. So God is the only thing that's completely beautiful. He's the only thing that's completely true. The only thing that's completely real. The only thing that's completely good. Um, We just mirror him in certain ways. And I was like, holy cow, that's really interesting. I've never heard any of this. And like, I grew up in a Christian family, right? I went to church every day. I went to Sunday school. Like I went to youth group. Like I did all this stuff and I never heard this before. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And so he talks about like, okay, well, you have to live to reflect these things. If you want to reflect God properly, like if you want to reflect God and reflect goodness, truth, and reality. And I was like, oh man, like you really can't do that on accident. <laughs> like uh, our 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 nature and our um uh, our our tendencies are not to do those things. Like it's we're we can be very selfish, which is not a good thing, which is not a beautiful thing. And we like so so that's kind of like reading his article is kind of like what flipped me into saying, all right, I have to like live more intentionally. Like I have to really kind of like set aside values and set aside a, um, a mission statement, which the mission statement kind of came later, like the values kind of like developed over time. But um, I will say I, I got um, um, Dale Carnegie's book. Um, uh, oh, no, not is it, is it Dale Carnegie. It's uh, uh, what was it? 
um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Who wrote that book? I can't remember who wrote the book. I think it was Dale. I have Dale Carnegie anyway, in my head now, so I can't think of any other name. <laughs> yeah, it might. I, I'm pretty sure it was him, but he he wrote that one, and then he wrote one that was Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families. And I actually, after reading the article about beauty, Stephen later, Covey. Out of, it was Stephen was Covey. That? Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey. Yeah. Yep. I had to look uh, it up. <laughs> uh, after reading the article about beauty, later in a book in a bookstore, I stumbled across um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families which was written by Stephen Covey. And he talks, he talks in there about creating a family mission statement and creating family values. And so a lot of what I say is I kind of parrot uh, seven habits of highly effective families only in my own, in my own way, you know, like in my, in my, in my own, cause he wouldn't say the things the way that I exactly say them. So he's the one that motivated like, Oh dude, you better have family values because you're not going to be leading your family by anything if you have not established values or you better have a family mission statement because you're not going to be leading your kids anywhere if you don't have a mission statement, you know, like you don't have an endpoint. So it was kind of like those that set that up. And I, I actually created my own personal mission statement first before I ever had a family mission statement. And that came from um, hating my job. <laughs> That's a good motivator for many. <laughs> Dude, it came from hating my job because like there was days where I would wake up and I would be like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to work. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And like, I, I eventually I, I slapped myself in the face, like literally. And I was like, this is not right. You're even though you hate your job, you're still doing good to the people that you're doing. You need to have some type of mission that's motivating you to do this. And I already read his book. I already knew about mission statements, you know, and I was like, OK. I'm going to create my own personal mission statement. So when I did that, it was easy to kind of like transition that into a family mission statement later. So I don't know if that answered your question or not, but that's kind of how I got to. It set a good stage. <laughs> even entering the, entering the world. Yeah. No, it's incredible to see people's journeys. You said something that was interesting. I want to come back to for a second. And you said, you know, Stephen Covey wrote this and you basically, you built upon it and did your version of it. I think that's a very important point for people to realize is that the job is not to just read the book. And I constantly stress this. It's not to listen to the Twitter space. It's not to sit and watch us. It's to take the information you gain from that and now apply it. You applied it and now you've built a resource that is helping a lot of men. And that's Mm -hmm. where I see the greatest strength because people who do nothing but consume or try to bring others down, they'll say, well, you didn't make that up. You didn't come up with this first. Look, nothing I've said comes the bible covered all the things i'm saying go beyond Mm. the bible philosophers were saying the things i'm saying nobody's Mm. saying anything that is truly original because as a like as a species as a a people we have known what was right and what was wrong from the very beginning and people have been speaking about it for thousands of years but they've never said it the way zachary small can say it they've never said it the way reeves can say it and therefore it doesn't matter if it's been said before it's not been said by me and therefore, it's mm-hmm. different because it's coming from my soul, my angle, my you know history and experiences, and yours as well. And I, I try to. I think both of us have have kind of hit this on both sides with the the dad Twitter space. We were like, hey, there's no barrier to entry here. Be a man who's doing things. Be a man mm-hmm. who's creating content for families. There's nothing stopping you. But these guys are like, well, nobody needs to hear what I have to say. And I'm like, dude, that's exactly why the fuck they need to hear it because maybe yeah. my way doesn't work, but yours might. Yep. 
Yep. In fact, I think that's one of the things that makes Twitter so powerful. Um, we and we don't have to go into this, but I think you hear so many things from so different, the same thing from so many different angles. I think that's what makes Twitter one of the most powerful platforms is because a lot of people are saying the same thing, but they're saying it in slightly different ways. And, you know, one day it hits you in one way, another day it hits you in another way, or you hit, you hear something similar, but in a different way or a different angle, or it's attached to a meme or something, and you can, you can understand it better. It's very, it's more, very more, um, angle driven than if you just read a book by one author right because it's his voice it's his intent it's his background and it's like just that one narrow scope so yeah i'm you're definitely right man the um no one's out here creating things originally but what we can do is take what's true and apply it to our day and age you know like so we can talk about having having family values or paying attention to your kids right and no one has ever said <clears throat> prior to the creation of a cell phone, put your cell phone down and pay attention to your kid. So people were saying, pay attention to your kids, but they didn't say, hey, put your phone down, stop texting, get off, you know, get off uh, Facebook and pay attention to your kids. So that's something that we can say where we're saying the same thing, but we're saying it in our context that can apply to, you know, the people today. It's funny. Yep. The, have you seen that photo of people are sitting on a bus and they all have their phones? And they're like, oh, you know, people these days. And then right below it, it's like the 1920s. Somebody gets on a bus, it's black and white, but they all have the newspaper in their face. It's like oh. we've been doing the same thing. It's just a different version of it. You know, yep. and it's important yep. that we we keep ourselves up to date. So yep. you went through, you had the job, you started getting down on yourself like, all right, snap out of it. I'm doing the right thing. I'm going in the right direction. I need to stop throwing these bricks in my back and saying I'm failing somehow. A lot of men are going to see themselves in your shoes. Here's where a lot of men are going to start to separate them where they are from where you are. They recognize that they understand like, all right, well, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm giving it. You recognize that. And then went further. You expanded that, that mission statement from yourself to the family. You kept, instead of being quiet online, you started speaking and generating content and joining the discussion. So how did that happen? Because that next evolution of self is where a lot of men, they're, they're not there yet. They're looking to take that jump. So how did that start with you? And maybe they could find their way through your story. Yeah. Are you talking about the jump to the family or the jump to communicating it to other people? I, let's start with the family. So you went from your personal mission statement to building it for the family. I'm assuming you spoke to your wife about this and then you brought it mm -hmm. down to the kids. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So there was, um, the, so to be, to be fair, the personal mission statement, like radically improved my life. <laughs> like, you know, if I would have created this personal mission statement and, and, don't get me wrong. I took it seriously. Like I woke up 30 minutes early every day and I, I started creating this mission statement. I took a whole bunch of um, mission statements from companies, from people, and I put them onto a page and I just like started creating one. And I woke up 30 minutes every day to do this. And so it took me about three months to like whittle it down to the exact words, to the exact length, to, you know, kind of like process my own ideas and get it to where I wanted to be. But, um, you know, I didn't half-ass this project. Like, I wanted, I wanted it to matter to me, you know? And so once I finally had it written, like, I, had, I set it on the background of my phone, you know? I put it in my truck. I had a sticky note on my truck, so it was there, so I could see it every day, so I would read it and remember it. Like, it wasn't something where I was like, I wrote it and then just forgot about it. In and the then trash. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create one for my family. Like, 
So my personal mission statement is to serve people and make things better with elegance and virtuosity, right? So my goal is to serve people and make things better everywhere I go. And I wanted to have, I wanted to be broad because I wanted it to be applicable no matter what. So I know that if I show up somewhere and I serve somebody, I'm, I'm fulfilling my mission statement. If I'm showing up and I make something worse, then I'm failing, right? Because my goal is to make things better everywhere I go. So for me, it really helped me because I would go, like I was doing pest control at the time. I would show up at someone's house to do their pest control service. And I'd be like, oh man, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this cockroach service, you know? And then I would ask myself, are you serving them? Yes. Are you making things better? Yes. Okay. Then you're being successful. Now go on and do it with elegance and virtuosity, right? So once I got that, I was like, man, I can really see the value in transitioning this into the family, right? So I started, I started by um, talking with my wife about like, we would, cause we go on family walks on a regular basis. Um, and she knew that I created my own personal mission statement. And I'm like, oh man, we, this has been so helpful to me. We got to expand this out. You know, we got to do it. And it, in Stephen Covey's book, he talks about having family values as well. So those kind of like the conversation, like kind of like melded together because in some way you, you don't create a mission statement without already having values because those, the values that you have reflect in that mission statement. So I um, started talking to my wife about it, just like kind of like running a buyer, like, Hey, what do you think about this? And you had know, she said she anything like, prior to, before you brought this to her, did she notice the change in you with you waking up early and then you go into the job a little more motivated? Um, she did. Yeah. So, um, I don't know that it was, it was huge, but I used to like, really, I would call her and be like, I hate this job. I hate this job. I hate this job. And then afterwards I'd call her and say, I hate this job, but (laughs) I know that I'm doing good. (laughs) I hate this job, but I know that I'm doing good. And then like, you know, she would, she got a hold of it and she would even tell me like, I'd be like, Oh, I have to go out on a Saturday and work. And she's like, but you're serving people, right? But you're making things better every time you show up, right? And I'm like, yep, yep. So she she was kind of like cool, man. That's behind cool. me, like reinforcing this, you know, because she knew what it was. Like once I had it written, like I sent it to her and I'm like, this is it. <laughs> you know, because I, I sent her one and I was like, she's like, oh, this is the one. I'm like, no, 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 that's not the one. <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> it's in revision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it, but it, so it made such a good impact on me, you know, even though it didn't make every day joyful, every day wasn't awesome, but it, it gave me the ability to like push through, even though I hated it. So when I talked to her about bringing it to the family, it was like a no brainer. Like it really just, it, it made sense to be able to have a mission statement and have clear values for, for the family. And so she didn't read Stephen Covey's book, but I talked to her about it like, Hey, it makes sense to have these values that you can lead your kids by. And, you know, we're a Christian family. We already kind of have some values that just come along with being Christian, you know, but, oh my goodness, it really helps out a lot to write them down and make them clear. So what we did is mm-hmm. we, I talked with my wife on walks and then in the morning, like Sunday morning, we usually have um, coffee together. We sit in our bedroom and uh, talk. And I was like, hey, I really want to do a family meeting every week. And then we can kind of roll out 
to the kids, hey, we want to create a family mission statement. We want to create these values. And she's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So that's the way that it happened. Like we talked about it for a couple months, like, all right, do we want to do this? We don't want to do this. How are we going to do it? How would it impact our life? And then eventually we created a family meeting that we had once a week. And then in the family meeting, we created the family mission statement and the family values. So we actually did it collectively as a family where um, we, I gave all the kids notebooks and pens. And I was like, hey, write down what do you think values most to you? What's most important to you and to, to our family? And so all the kids got to like, you know, write on a page. Oh, this matters to me. This matters to me. Hiking matters to me, you know? Oh, playing How old with my your friends kids matters when they did to me. What, I'm sorry? How old were they when they were doing this? Oh, uh, let's see. So it would be five. My, my youngest was five. My middle was seven. And my oldest was nine. Cool. So my five-year-old, you know, he couldn't really do it very much. We helped him. You know, he would, we would write it for him. He would tell us what he wants. So then, and then I did it and my wife did it and we all did it together. And then what we did is we kind of like um, went around the table and everyone said what their values were that they written, had written down. And then what we did is we circled all the common ones together. So then we can go, oh, look it. You had this, you said, you said was a value. I had this that I said was a value. Look at that. It's the same one, this and this, this and this. And then what we did is um, we took those values and put them in categories and then those categories became our values. So like, um, like I said, lifting weights, being strong, being fit, being healthy. My, my son said hiking, playing outside, climbing trees, right? So all those go into a category, which is fitness. So fitness is our value because climbing trees, hiking, and well, climbing trees is great, man. That's a great fitness it activity. It really is. Climbing trees, climbing trees, playing outside, and hiking, those are all fitness. And for me, you know, lifting weights, yada, yada, those, all those kind of can fit into a fitness category. So that's what we did is we circled all of them. And then we just kind of like filtered them down into uh, four main categories. So that's, that's the way that we came up with the, the family values. And to be fair, my wife and I kind of like let it, you know, it couldn't have gone anywhere, right? Like cheating couldn't have been a value <laughs> that landed in, in our family. So um one of our family values is beauty. And that's uh, pretty much because I instigated that one. You know, no one came up with beauty as being a category, but I wanted it to be there. And some of the stuff that we said fit within that, those categories. So um, faith, family, fitness, and beauty uh, would be our family values. That's uh, strong. You know, and when I listen to that, I mean, even to bring it back to earlier on, you said something that I think a lot of men need to hear. You were going to your job, you were doing these things, and you're like, damn, this job sucks. Like, I don't like it. It's annoying. Like, a lot of guys find that. They're just kind of going through the motions. It's a paycheck. You know, it just, it's doing its job, which is to just pay you. But it's not much more than that. And that's cool. Like, a lot of, it's just a job. You know, but here's the thing that you did that a lot of men are struggling with. You didn't have a cataclysmic change for you to change. A lot mm -hmm. of men will say, well, I have to quit my job, and then I'll start. I have to do this big event and or big motion or big action. I have to get fired, whatever. And then I'll become the person I need to become because then I can move on and have a catalyst for change. And you didn't. You said, I'm going to change because I need to change. And yep. in the job, while still doing the normal dad duties, husband duties, and then going to the same job, it was different. This job sucks, but 
blah, 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 blah. I'm serving these guys. I'm helping them. I know I'm making a difference in this family's life. That's yep. if, uh, if men, and I, I see myself in that I was out doing an admin job while building up the family alpha and FOE. And I was like, not an admin guy. My boss told me, he's like, you are literally the worst at this job, but you're really strong and smart. So we're going to have you do other jobs that aren't your job because you can't fucking do your job. <laughs> and I was cool with that. You know, I didn't belong around paperwork, but I was like, dude, this job sucks. I'm writing about masculinity and I'm going to this. And in my head, it clicked. I was like, I don't need to get fired to change anything. I just need, this is just a job. This just pays me. It doesn't. Yep. So I would be who I am and who I was it, unapologetically at the job. And then when I left the job and I was like, Hey babe, the commute sucks, but I can make a video on my way home. This, you know, this job sucks, but it gives me freedom of my time. And so I realized if I use my time properly, I can build my dream. And you, you flip the script and you're doing the same thing. Yep. Hey, yep. you went from going to the job and just having these issues. Well, now, or but, now the family's together. Now we're locked mm -hmm. in. And so yep. at what point did you realize that this was really something that was up your alley and something you wanted to share with other people or that you even enjoyed mm -hmm. writing? Were you a writer before? Or mm -hmm. did this sort of segue you into becoming a writer? Yeah, yeah. Um, before, before we talk about that, I will say um, to your comment, you know, like we never would have had a family mission statement if I didn't have a personal mission statement, you know, to begin with. Like if I didn't have that, that change that had happened, it never would have done. It never would have uh, happened or occurred. So I think that for sure, any man who wants to like take these steps, like the first step is for you to figure out your own values and for you to have your own mission statement. Um, like in order to, you, you, there's no way you can lead your family into having these sorts of things without having them yourself, you know? So, I mean, you can start with your values if you want, you can start with a mission statement if you want, um, but yeah, you don't have to change anything. You can, you can go to bed 30 minutes late. You can wake up 30 minutes early. You could, you know, squeeze it in during your lunch break. Instead of watching YouTube videos, you could uh, sit down and write something that is meaningful and valuable. Right. So um, for, for me, I actually didn't start writing. Well, I've, I've always been um, better at writing than most people. So uh, it's actually one thing that I wish I would have known earlier because like all the jobs that I've worked, the aspect of the job that I've excelled at the most was the writing aspect. And so like, um, well, I guess maybe the communication aspect is probably what the, cause like I was a correctional officer for six years and the best part, like I wasn't the best physically at dealing with the inmates, but I could communicate really well. And so I didn't have as many physical problems with inmates because my communication was better. And then like my documentation was better. Like I would write reports for people because they couldn't write them well. Like they couldn't get their, their words onto paper well enough to, to put this down into anything that was meaningful. Um, prior to that, I worked in a call center. And the best part of that was I was good at documenting stuff and good at talking to people. Even when I did pest control, the best thing that my skills were communicating with the customers and documenting everything. So that's been like the thread that's been the best thing that's uh, been for me in all of my jobs. So the, only, the, the way that it happened actually was I wrote a uh, parody. I wrote a parody about um, COVID of all things. And um, I sent it out. I sent it out to some of my friends and they were like, oh, hey, did you get this from uh, Babylon B? which I don't know, do you know what Babylon B is? Yeah, it's like the onion, just another version. Yeah, it's like a version of the onion. Yeah, 
And I was like, no, I didn't get this from them. I wrote it. And they were like, <laughs> I'm an OG. And I was like, yeah, I wrote this. <laughs> and they were like, oh man, this is really good. You should start like a blog or something writing. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started writing some satire. And then like right about the same time as when I got really active on Twitter and found out that, you know, like you can make eBooks and like all this stuff. So that's kind of like how I got into writing just in general. Yep. And then um, later after being on Twitter for a while, I think after I got 2000 followers or so, I was like, holy cow, you can really impact people with what you're writing. Like you don't have to just mindlessly write tweets. You can write stuff that's important, that's valuable. And then I was like, oh, wow, you can write threads. Oh, these threads are cool. Like I'd never heard of a thread before, you know? So I just wrote, um, I wrote uh, a thread that was 10 marks of the beautiful family. And it had a, a lot of reception. Like a lot of people liked it and they were like, oh man, these are really cool. This needs to be a book. And then I wrote another thread that was another 10 marks of a beautiful family. And it got a lot of good feedback and people were like, man, this is really great. I really wish there was more information about this. And I was like, well, there we go. I'm going to write a book about it. So there it is. You know, some people think it's some grand thing. I'm happy to hear that. And that's It should be that simple. Hey, this is good. I like doing this. I'm going to continue doing this. Awesome. And then you start connecting with other people and you see, oh, well, maybe we could do this. And then it goes from writing, oh, I'm going to have a blog to, oh, I've got a book to, oh, we're going to go and speak about this thing. And, you know, you're, you, you wrangled together many of the men, like all these different dads coming together. And then this dad Twitter just popped off. And I remember saying yeah. to you, I'm like, dude, I was like, I, I hate, I don't like cliche things. I don't, I don't ever want my name associated with something that's not 100% legitimately aligned with what the fuck I'm doing. Like yeah. if I'm doing this and my name's on it, it has to be done. Not necessarily my way, but the way that I'm trying to do things. I'm, I'm serious about the message of the family. I'm never going to placate down to like, Oh yeah, let's be dad bods and shit like that. like, no, it's not funny. I'm never going to roll in that crowd. And then mm -hmm. when you had those guys together, I saw dad Twitter. I was like, oh man, what is, what is this? Like there's, this could be great, but it could also be horrible. And then I jumped yep. on, I was like, dude, this is fucking exactly the best use of this platform. And I was super yep. fucking pumped. So when you yep. started rolling, I mean, there were several other dads in there. And then I think I was banging on the door for you guys, you guys had like a party going and I was looking through the window. I'm like, Hey, let me in. I want to hang out. <laughs> and then we jumped in <laughs> and dude, these guys are putting in the work. So <laughs> Let's let's shift to now you're up and running. You know, you you have you've gone from figuring yourself out and your family out. You know, you've got that started locking in. You're working with other men. You're getting more notes to apply to your family. How are you seeing your family improve due to the actions you've taken to better yourself as a man? Yeah, dude, that's that's a really good question. Um, I'm way more patient with my family and patient with my kids you know, and like the, 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 there's an overwhelming desire for them to um, grasp the values that we have in place, you know? Um, so I would say, I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to say that I was like a mindless parent, but I definitely wasn't as fully intentional as I could be. Less know? intentional is a term I've used many times. I used to be less, less intentional? intentional as I am now. It's not mindless. <laughs> it's, it's a better way to say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was I was a less intentional parent prior to that, you know, um, and even even so much like I've used this example a couple of times. But, you know, I remember um, trying to get my son to do something and I was like, hey, look, if you do this, it's going to be great. Um, he wanted to jump off of something. I think it was like a bench or something like that. 
And I was like, hey, if you jump off of this, you know what? We'll get some ice cream. You know what I mean? We'll celebrate. You did a good job, you know? And when I look back at that, I look and I go, man, that was terrible. That was, I should never have done that. And I know now why, because motivating to get food by jumping off of something was not a good idea, you know, because now I motivate my kids with values, right? Like I would, if I could go back, I would tell them, hey, you're going to jump off this bench and it's going to require courage, right? You're going to have to overcome your fear and courage is part of our family values. We have courage underneath, like our family values are faith, family, fitness, and beauty. And courage is part of faith because if you're going to withstand and hold your faith, courage is going to be there, right? So I, so I would tell them, hey, you need to have courage in order to do this. And this is you developing this family value that we have inside of you. You have to overcome your fear to gain courage to do this. Like, it, you know, so to me, that's where it's really transformed is I can see the kids, they use the language that I use, right? Um, and so instead of like motivating my kids with superficial things, I can motivate them with the things that we have set up as values. And then like, you know, on Sunday morning, they go, oh, we're going to church because faith is one of our values. And we accomplish fulfilling our faith by going to church on Sunday, right? Oh, no wonder you're in the garage working out, right? You're working out because one of our values is fitness. I don't have to explain to my kids why we go on a family walk after dinner every night because they already know fitness is one of our values. So we're going to go on a walk and that's what we do. So to me, the biggest change that I've seen is my kids, their mindset is around those values, right? Where it very easily could have been something superficial, um, even like really negative motivation, right? Like I do, I remember, I remember even saying to my middle son, or saying to my middle son, um, man, I wish you were more like your brother. Your brother does this. And it's like, dude, how can you say that to a kid, man? That's messed up, you know? And now I would never say that to him because I don't want him to be more like his brother. I want him to walk out these family values in his way. You know what I mean? So I, the biggest change has probably been in me and then how my kids perceive and receive how I've changed. You know, and that's, but that's how it works. And I, I wish more men understood that, you know, it starts with you. You have to embody the values, not just espouse them, but then you do catch yourself. And dude, just maybe it might've been two or three nights ago. I was sitting there, I was talking to Jack and I was like, I can't believe who I was. And I was drinking. I was like, how many times did I like fall asleep in the couch or fall asleep like here or there? Like, and I was just like, I, that's not a man. Like, what if something happened that wasn't there for the kids? And it's like this, this accident, this disaster never happened. But in my head, it could have. And I treat myself like a piece of shit in that little moment of my downtime. I'm like, what if something happened? Like, I'm so fucking dumb. But I'm like 500 plus days sober now. And even though I'm so far from that, I still look back and that's just more fuel to like, this is the right path. I will never yep. be that guy. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't ever wish anything upon anybody <laughs> like, like, but the fact of life is we never know when our last moment's going to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with, with the way I'm raising my kids and with you instilling these values in yours, God forbid, if something happened to us, as they were to grow on without us, they were to give that presence, the presence we gave them was when they have to make a decision. I am courageous. I have my values. When they're in college, when they're raising their own family, they're going to yes. fall back upon 
that mission statement. And it sucks. I'm getting chills right now talking about it because it sucks as a dad to not be there. But it's like, if I can arm them with everything, they won't need me. Or at least I'll give them the tools and maybe they'll slip up, but they'll always know, well, what's the right decision to make? What would my dad do? What were the values he taught me? Not to jump so I could get a treat, (laughs) but to jump because I'm brave, because I have courage, because that's what we do. And, you know, to hear you say that, that's the gift we're giving these kids. And that's, it's like, it's going to last longer than you. And when we talk about legacy, is that not what this is? Is that not what you're building right now with your family? Yes. Yes. It's just a beautiful thing to see. And beautiful is the right word here, because this is about raising a beautiful family. Yep. So you're, you're absolutely right. Actually, when, after I had written a mission statement that I, that I thought was like, this is it, like this truly embodies like what I'm trying to accomplish here on the earth, you know, it was like the first time where I could say, you know what, if I die today, I'm cool. You know, it's not just that, like, I'm good because I'm at, I'm uh, uh, in the right place with my creator. It's like, I'm, I'm good because I've lived the life that I wanted to live. <laughs> not, 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 not about the afterlife. Let's talk about here and now, you know, like people are saying, well, they die with regrets, right? They wish they would have done this. or they wish they would have done that. Well, after I read my, read, had written my mission statement, I was like, okay, I'm fulfilling this mission statement every day. I can die and be thankful. And there's a similar sense that comes with creating those family values, because I do know that if I died today, my kids would continue on embodying the values that I've instilled in them, you know, like, and so I don't have to wonder, like, how are they going to be? Sure, they're going to, they're going to embody them in their way, right, in their personality and their, um, in their roles that they play in life. But the legacy of who I am, of what I believe is valuable, through what our family believes is valuable, it's going to go, it's going to continue, whether I, whether I do or, or don't, right? So it could be today, or it could be 15 years, it could be 100 years, what it doesn't matter. Those values that we've created and still those last forever. It truly does transcend time because what you're doing now is setting the stage for people you've not even met. You know, they say when we, when we raise our sons, we raise our son's sons, you know, and in this situation, by doing this now, you're raising your grandkids, your sons are seeing, all right, this is what it is to be a man. And someday dad, I'm going off into my own. It's time for me to make my own statement. You gave me the tools, but now I have to do it my way. And they've got to build there. And what a beautiful moment that'll be for them to come up to you and be like, hey, what do you think? And now they're, you're reading their mission statement. Because yep. they're now, and dude, it's just, it's fucking awesome. I mean, just talking about it now, like that's, it's cool to see into the future like that. Like this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And there's nothing yep. that can knock you off that car- course because you found your light and you're just going to get better at it. And I see that with what you're doing with dad Twitter and, and how that's growing and how those men are connecting. The possibilities uh, it's it's almost infinite because we we transcend physical proximity. You and I yes. are talking right now and we're we're thousands of miles or we're hundreds of miles apart, you know? So we can sit have this conversation, sharpen ourselves. We have men from what uh, Alec is in England, Joe yeah. England. Like so this is global. And we're having discussions with fathers, swapping notes, and dudes on the other side yeah. of the Atlantic are saying, Hey guys, this worked for me, that didn't. And we're like, Oh, cool, that helps me because I was trying to figure out this out. But now you give them a tool or them one of your notes and you help them with their mission statement. And all of a sudden, yep. all these dads are growing up. And well, why do we care about that? Why do we care what other kids are doing with their kids? Well, their kids are being raised with our kids. Yep. And you and I have both clearly said, we want our kids to run with warriors. I want everybody's kids to be locked the fuck in because you're going to influence my child. And I want my kids to roll with a squad of people. And if they're all yep. going to be sucked into the, 
the main system, your mainstream, your program that's going on, then our kids are going to reign supreme. They're going to be the overlords of these motherfuckers because they're all just stuck with their head in a tube. And our kids are like, no, we go outside. We get strong. We're healthy, wealthy, yep. focused, driven. We put ourselves first. All these great things that we're talking about. So yep. it's a win-win, man. Like you can't lose. Yep. So I guess yep. I have to I throw it your way. What is coming down the pipeline? It seems like you're really finding your stride. You've got the momentum going. You know, what's coming down the pipeline with Reeves? Do you have any main projects that you can share publicly? Oh, uh, yeah, dude. So the, the, I have my book. My book is um, four parts. And I've only written two parts of it. So right now I have 10, 10 of the 20 marks of what it means to be a beautiful family are out right now. So I'm going to finish those two books. And then um, family coaching is what I really want to do. So um, I, I ran a small group of, got, of dudes helping them to set up family mission statements, helping them to create family values, um, create um, uh, weekly family meetings, um, family, family routines, morning, evening, night routines. So that's like, if I could do anything, that would be full board. You know, like if you go on my um, Twitter account, you'll see the banner is uh, uh, coaching fathers from chaos to order. So the goal is move your move your family and the, take this a similar path that I took. Go from from the chaos that you're living in now to the order that your family deserves to be living in, and that's what uh, basically is another way of saying uh, going from ugliness to beauty. You know, so that's what I really want to do. Um, hands down, uh, anyone can DM me about coaching, and that's what I want to do. Is I want to help families go from the chaos that they're currently living into to an orderly lifestyle that will be passed on for generations. That's a hell of a mission. If you check the links below, you'll find access to Reeves, his writing, as well as his social media and his Twitter, which is the main space that we're doing the Twitter spaces. Reeves is the host of all the dad Twitter spaces. So it's myself, several others, Anthony Miglarino, a lot of names you'll recognize, Joe from Guild of Dads. These guys come together. We swap some notes. We spend an hour together. Uh, it's every Tuesday. Was it 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern yep. Standard Time? So 4 to 5 p.m. Yep. Eastern Standard Time. We're just linking up, you know, just talking family, talking life and what we're doing. And importantly, if you're looking to connect or you have a question, shoot the DM. Yep. I mean, it, it can't be put any more clearly. Reeves has put it out there. He, the channel is open. Ask the questions if you have them. If you want to talk about mission statement, uh, how you get things working from being at the job where you're feeling stuck to being at a job where you feel like you're giving purpose. He can help with yep. all of this. But don't just listen to what we're doing. And then go on to the next podcast or video or whatever and not apply any of it. It just doesn't make any sense. It drives me insane because it doesn't change your life. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why we dedicated our time right now to have this conversation to help you, not to just kill some time for you. So with that, Reeves, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks. For everybody that tuned in, this has been another episode in the Family Alpha Podcast, the place where we are keeping masculinity in men, fatherhood, and marriage. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share the message with those who need it. Stay well. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned. And be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Small underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.